Praise God. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. I'm, I'm so thankful because of his faithfulness. Just like the song that Pastor Nena and our worship team sang today, he's been faithful. Él ha sido fiel. And through our ups and downs, through our own hurts and pain, through doubt, through trials, it's as if the Lord is watching and waiting to see if we've Learn some of the lessons that he's taught us along the way. For those of us who are new in the faith, this may be the first opportunity to continue to let the word of God sink deeply into your heart, sowing seeds of faith and hope and love, maybe teaching you about faithfulness, and how he's been faithful and how he calls us into that faithful relationship with him. Speaking of faithfulness, I want to just thank some of the men who came yesterday in the afternoon and all night. Who had to tear down the furthest section of the tents in the horseshoe area that completely got destroyed during the hailstorm and rain yesterday afternoon. Coach Elvis... Arroyo called some men and they showed up yesterday in the middle of the rain and disarmed those tents and brought them down and pumped out Mission Ebenezer Lake in order for us to come, to not have to worry about tarps flying everywhere. My Aunt Esther and Sister Yenny were walking through the, the horseshoe two minutes prior to the tent completely collapsing on the furthest side. Just missed them. And so I got on the phone and we rounded up the guys who were here in the area and available and who were faithful. And it came, the men who were here this morning at 5 a.m. to clean the parking lot, to drain the rest of the water that had collected overnight. I want to say thank you for getting wet. Thank you for getting cold. And for the families that supported them, the wives that supported by giving their husbands the blessing to come. I want to say thank you. Um, it really means a lot. Freed up all the parking spaces that we needed to come and fill the house of the Lord this morning with his presence and his glory and his praises. Because he is faithful and he is worthy. Our missions report that was attested to and, and validated by Brother Jonathan, who works and lives here in the area. Is it Boeing? Jonathan works for Boeing, and a couple of years ago, he shared his testimony with me um, two months ago at a, at a lunch that I had with him and Pastor Silver from Honduras. And he said when Boeing offered him the job, he says, the only thing I need is a month off between December and January because I do short-term missions in Honduras. And they said, whatever it takes. And he's been faithfully serving um, the people of Honduras, as has our church. Through the pandemic, we were faithful. Through thick and thin, we never stopped our 
contributions to Pastor Silver and his wife. They don't have any biological children of their own, but the children of Honduras are theirs. His wife suffers from severe case of type 2 diabetes, and our support helped keep her alive and well during the pandemic because the remainder of their mission support during the pandemic ceased. But we were faithful because he was faithful. God is faithful even when, when we are not. When we're young in the faith, sometimes we think if we, if we mess up, if we upset God, maybe if we just do something good, we can make up for it. But you can't, and it doesn't. The work that was done on the cross of Calvary when God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and mine was a work that was once and for all. You and I could never duplicate. You and I could never take his place. You and I could never come close to doing what Jesus did for the world. When you and I fail God, even today, at home, husbands and wives, when we fail each other, mothers and fathers, when we fail our children, or vice versa, when our children fail us, there's nothing that we can do to try and make up for it. Because it was a free gift of grace that Jesus gave to us and it was paid for by his blood that was shed. And the blood of Jesus covers us, it covers me and it covers you. Pastor Joe reminded us, and Pastor Frank at the Spanish service last week reminded us that even when we were at our worst, God was at his best. While we were yet sinners, God forgave you and I. And he washed us with his blood. That means he loved us so much that he wants us to understand that there is nothing that we could ever do to pay him back, like Brother Eddie said, for what he has done for us. If you have your Bible, please open with me and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. In Romans, chapter 5, as we complete this chapter's teaching, before moving into chapter 6 next week, there's a few things that the Lord wants to show us, and I don't want to get too heady. I don't want to get too complicated in theology. Theology simply is the study of God and what God thinks. So when you hear the word theology, it's simply referring to what people have said about what God thinks. And one of those individuals that writes this letter to this city in a place in Italy called Rome. Everybody say Rome. Rome is known today for its wonderful collection of art, for the Venetian canals and waterways and wonderful vacation spots. 
It's beautiful chapels that sadly have turned into museums. There are churches that have turned into places where people come simply to visit, not necessarily to worship. I pray that our church, I pray that our faith, I pray that the way we love and we, we serve the Lord will never turn into some kind of relic, will never turn into some kind of good luck charm or a museum, but that the house of God will always be a house of prayer and a house of worship where the word of God has the power to transform lives, has the power to save lost souls, has the power to deliver us from the ills of this world and from the things that captivate us and hold us in bondage. God wants to set us free. But Paul was writing to these people in Rome 2,000 years ago. And it was a, a people that was mixed of Jews and Gentiles alike. Jews meaning people who came from the people of Israel. Or a group of, of folks that God had established a covenant with. They were known as the Israelites. They're also referred to as the Jews. And the Gentile, the Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. It's a non-Jew. Simply doesn't come from the, the blood or lineage of, of Abraham. And this is what it says here in verse 12 of chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, somebody say one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. Somebody say gift. The gift is not like sin. Sin is a trespass. It's like breaking the law. No trespassing sign. What does it mean? It means don't enter. Right? If you trespass, if you do trespass, that means you, you're breaking the law. And that's what sin is. Sin is breaking the law of God. Not just the law of Moses. It's the law of God. Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Pause there for a moment. So basically what we're talking about right here is that when God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God in the garden. They were living in paradise. Paradise wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to know the things that God knew. So they wanted to make themselves like God. And because the serpent 
came and enticed them, convinced them to want to be like God and be proud and arrogant and raise themselves up to the place or the position of God, they trespassed. They crossed into a property, into a place, into a territory that wasn't meant for them. They were meant to stay within the boundaries of this relationship, this loving relationship and this covenant that God had established with them. Now, before somebody comes to know God or to know Jesus, guess what? Many folks don't realize the things that we are doing in the world that is actually considered sin or a trespass or actually disobedience. Many people don't really understand that sometimes the way that we are living, unbeknownst to us, is actually causing enmity, all right, or ought between us and God. But whenever there is no law, when in, in, in other words, when we're not aware of the laws that, that exist, guess what? We, go, we continue living unaware of the sin that we are actually participating in or living in or fully embracing. Are we understanding so far? I just want to take a pause. Are we understanding thus far where, what, what we're doing and what we're talking about? So this trespass that was established in the book of Genesis, from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see that there was a break. There was a broken covenant between God and mankind, God and Adam. And Adam represents mankind. Adam and Eve represent us, man and women, man and woman, men and women. Adam and Eve represent us. And so it says, by the one man, one trespass introduced death, destruction into the world. In other words, mankind was injected with sin at that very moment. In other words, disobedience and rebellion was birthed in our lives. And that sin is a problem because a problem is what breaks the fellowship that we normally have with God. How many of you know when you do something wrong or you sin against somebody, isn't it hard to be around that somebody or hard to be around that person? What if somebody sins against you or does something? Do you want to be around that person that has sinned against you? No, because it, it breaks, it breaks the, that relationship. It breaks the trust. Like in a marriage, when, when the trust is broken, guess what? It's difficult to repair. It's def difficult to reestablish the trust. It's got to be earned. It's got to be established. Communication has to happen. And a whole bunch of other stuff so that reconciliation can take place. Pastor Joe talked about reconciliation last week. The fact that reconciliation doesn't just happen when somebody says, hey, you know, I'm sorry about what I did. Oh, yeah, you're really sorry? What did you do then? Well, you know, no, I don't know. And that's what we're getting to right here. First, we want to establish, you guys, that a life of sin or sin in humankind is something that we have to recognize and we have to acknowledge. And I'm not sitting up here on a soapbox condemning people to hell because of the sinful lives that we all live. What I want us to all understand is that we are all at the same place at the foot of the cross. We are all sinners and none of us are better than any other. None of us are better than any other. 
doesn't matter how many minutes or, or hours you put together without committing sin. You and I were born into this word, this world as sinners. And so I just want to make sure we understand that. Through Adam, sin reigned in this world. So we introduce this religious, religious way, this religious system of addressing sin called a sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is given on behalf of someone or something in order to make up for or take the place of the trespass or the sin or the broken trust or the disobedience. A sacrifice, something has to be given in place of in this, the religious system that we talk about here with the, the Israelites or the Jews or the people of God. An animal's blood had to be shed in order for the trespass to be eliminated and in order for two parties to be reunited again. Amen? So let me, go, let me back up. Let me go up to 16 so we could come back forward again with, with a little momentum, all right? With a little bit of momentum. Is that okay? 16 again says, again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. Somebody say Adam's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So if the one man introduced sin and death and destruction, there's another one who was coming. And this other one is Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. We like to refer to Jesus as the second Adam. And Jesus wasn't patterned after the first Adam. Adam was patterned after Jesus. After God himself. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were made in God's image. And if Jesus, the son of God, came to us, then the very likeness and the image that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, bore is in fact reflection of the creation that God made and, and had in mind when he created us. And when sin was introduced, you guys, it created a conflict. It created a conflict between you and I. It created separation between us and God and us between one another. Verse 14 talks about that, where death reigned. And here in verse 17, Paul now begins to introduce the fact that there is hope. There's life. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There is light in darkness. There is a way out. And we don't have to live in, in despair. We don't have to live depre in depression. We don't have to live in self-condemnation, self-hate, self-loathing because we're not able to live up to God's standard. 
Well, that's the beauty of what the law of God or the law of Moses establishes for us, you guys, is that nobody can ever live up to God's standard. Nobody can meet all of the law and, and all of the standards of God. None of us. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, to be the standard. He sent his son, Jesus, to meet the standard. And he sent his son, Jesus, to eliminate the law of death and the consequence of sin, which is death and destruction, so that we might have life and life abundantly. So Paul talks about the gift. The gift, you guys, is referred to here in the Greek as a charism or karitas. The gift, you guys, is something that is given for free. How many of you like to receive gifts? I love gifts. And I love to give them. I love to bless people. I love to give, especially when it hurts. I like to give people things that I really don't want to give it to them, but when the Lord says give it to them, I obey, and then the Lord blesses me with something of equal value or greater. And it doesn't have to be of, of, of material. It, it doesn't have to be a material gift. God can bless my marriage as a, re, as a result of something that I did in obedience to God. God can bless your relationships because of your obedience to him. God wants to bless you. But you guys, the gift that God gave to us with, was himself, with, was his son Jesus. And it was a free gift. And that's what Paul wants to understand. He's trying to communicate to both the Jews and the Gentiles that they're all the same. Paul's communicating that the gift of God was a gift for all men, for all mankind, that we might receive that gift freely. That we wouldn't continue to try and live under the law of payback. Somebody ever give you something that you just couldn't believe that they blessed you with? And you just felt so, you just felt so, so bad, almost to the point where you felt guilty receiving it? You felt, you felt so, so shameful that you just wanted to pay them back some way, somehow, and you're like, well, can I do anything for you? I mean, do you need your lawn cut? Can I come and cut your lawn? How can I repay you? Guys, that's the beauty of Jesus. You don't have to repay him. You don't have to repay God. His gift was with, without repentance. He didn't give the gift to, try, to take it back. When you failed him, when I failed him, he didn't, he's not there waiting for us to, to mess up, to say, oh, I'm taking salvation back. I'm taking the eternal life back. I'm taking all that back. No, that's not the way he is. Do we suffer the consequences of the mistakes that we make and, and the failures that we, that we have and, and the errors that, that we make on our own? Yes. And he allows us to go through those difficult times. And sometimes we wish those times would, would, would hurry up and pass. Sometimes the Lord leaves us in that, 
that problem, leaves us in that mistake to teach us and to bring us to a, a greater good, to, to bring us to, to a greater understanding. The Lord also chastises and disciplines his own children because he loves them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Any parent that doesn't discipline their children doesn't love them. Because the Bible says that you are a willing party to their grave. Your children get out of line. You got to discipline them. Whatever your form of discipline is. I don't know about you, but for me in my house. I got spankings. My kids got spankings. My 16-year-old still. No, I'm kidding. No, you know, they graduate from spankings, you know, and then things like. Their cell phone, you know, all of a sudden, like the same, no, okay, I'm sorry. But the Lord allows us to go through those things so he could, he could teach us. He could bring us and keep us in that loving relationship with him when we recognize that it is him that is allowing us to go through those. So, but coming back to this, this gift, coming back to this gift that, that God gave to us. Let's pick up in verse 18. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of the one act of righteousness was, ju was justification that brings life for all men. Somebody say amen. amen. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that God didn't just leave us there in the place of dealing with the consequences of Adam's sin and his disobedience and rebelliousness towards God. But he loved us so much that he brought us into this new relationship through righteousness. It's called justification. Justification means when someone is made right. When something is made right, you are justified. Okay, you are made straight. The only way that we're able to be made straight is by Jesus. It's by his blood. Jesus is the one that makes us straight. Jesus is the one that straightens out crooked paths. Amen? And God knows exactly the things that you and I go through. He knows our shortcomings. He knows the challenges that we have. He knows how we were raised and brought up and why, why for many of us, sometimes the, the problems and the issues that we continue to demonstrate and live in are results of our past, are results of the experiences that happened to us or the things that we did or the ways that we were brought up. God understands and God is patient as a matter of fact. Can I break it down a little bit for us, church? You and I and the generation that we live in in this world are all consequences of what has been passed down through us, through generations and millennia. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1. He says, because of our disobedience, because of our stubbornness, he has allowed us to experience sin. He says, I turned them over to a depraved mind. I turn them over to their own lusts, to their own evil, to their own wickedness. So 
Therefore, you and I are living in a day and an age, a culture and a society, regardless of whether we are saved, whether we are part of the church or not, we are living in a day and age that is a result of the sin of humankind that has continued to be passed down from history upon history, generation to generation. Just think about the, cons- the, the conversations that you have with people in the world that don't understand what sin is and don't understand why maybe the way they are living is considered sin or whether a lifestyle is sinful in the eyes of God. It's because the world and the culture that we live in, you guys, has not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The world does not live under or according to the word of God. Sometimes we as the church want to take everything that we know or we believe or that we, we learn about in scripture. We want to put it on everybody else and expect them to conform or to understand where we're coming from. And then we live our lives in such a way that we become the religious Pharisees of our day. We become the untouchables. We become a, a, a church or a people that despises folks that still live a certain way or are living in the world according to a different kind of standard. Well, guess what? God sees all of us. God sees everything. And his desire is to bring everyone into a loving relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. But he wants to use the church and he wants to communicate to us in ways that we're able to communicate with those who are in the world that don't understand it. Through loving relationships, loving conversations. Because he gave us his son, Jesus, and Jesus died for everyone, for everyone. He died for everybody. And, and God's desire is that all mankind would be saved. That's Jesus' desire. That was his hope. Do we play a role in, in this? Yes, we do play a role. But are we God? Are we God? Are we God? No. Thank God, right? Thank the Lord we ain't God. Thank God he is far more patient than we are. Thank God he is far more gracious than we are. Thank, thank the Lord he is far more merciful than we are. And if we know that sin has the power to bring all this death and destruction in this world, even more so that the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the work of Calvary, the work of the cross, you guys, erased it all. Made it possible for us to be in that right relationship with God the Father. So no, you can't go and do something good to make up for your wrong. Only God could. Only God can. Because doing something good is just going to make you feel better about yourself. And consequently continue to lead you down a path thinking that you're doing all right when in fact we're not.
Uh, not too many people like that one though, right? No. The message today is about the grace of God. Is what God has given to us through his son Jesus. That you can't earn it. You can't earn his forgiveness. You can't earn his love. He loves you even though. He loves us despite of our failures, despite of our mistakes, despite of our doubt, despite of our anger towards him. I remember when, I, when we were young, it was the, one of the first moments in, in my life where um, my relationship with my youngest brother, Koba, who's now bigger than me, at a time he was about eight and I was like 13, and I had done something to him that he, he wasn't too happy about. And we were in the front yard where we often would play, wrestle, play tackle football, getting cuts and bruises on the, on the fence and the bricks and all of that. And, and he had gotten so mad. And you should have seen Koba growing up. He was like that, that picture, that image of the Chicago bull where the smoke is coming out the bull's nostrils. <laughs> that was Koba growing up, you know, because he's always getting beat up, beat up and pounded by everybody. And I remember Koba came and was trying to beat me up. And here I was, 13 years old, and he was a little 8-year-old, and I was just holding his head, his head right here. And he was swinging, trying to hit me, but he couldn't. And I was just laughing. He was like, what are you laughing about? He was so angry and so mad. Sometimes that's us, right? And God's just holding us right there. And we're, just, we're angry at God. We're angry at God, and, and, and we're, we're, we're confused, and we're hurt because of what he's allowed to happen or allowed to take place. And in, this, in spite of all that, he still loves us, and he's just smiling. He's like, I got you. Let me know when you're tired. Let me know when, when you're done with your little fit, Josh, your little, your little tantrum. You tired yet? All right, come here. That's how much he loves us. The things that we've gone through and experienced in the world wasn't all your fault. And we deal with the, the consequences of sin. We deal with the consequences of tragedy. We deal with the consequences of hurt. And those are the things that the enemy tries to use to per perpetuate that broken relationship with God and to pull us away from God. But he loves us so much, you guys, that he's right there with you in the middle of that, that situation. He's right there with us in the middle of our doubt and in the middle of our frustration, you guys, showing us that he loves us. Let me finish this scripture. It says the law was added so that, verse 20, so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's just trying to get us to understand, you guys, who Jesus is. Because he didn't understand who Jesus was at the outset. He was trying to kill the followers of Jesus. Till Jesus appeared to him. Jesus came to Paul and he says, Paul, you got it all wrong. 
Just pay attention. I want to show you. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to teach us. He wants to show us how much he loves us. People, don't punish yourself. Stop punishing yourself. When you're struggling, stop punishing yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Stop hating yourself. Stop hurting yourself. Let the love of God wash over you. Receive his grace. Receive his love. Receive his mercy. Receive his forgiveness. Hallelujah. Because he wants to establish a new relationship with you that only can be established through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to invite the, us, the, the worship team to come, to come out here. Come on, Pastor Nena. Come on, team. How many of you want to sing that song, He Has Been Faithful? Come on, let's stand to our feet, church. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. 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 Let's invite the the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill this place. Receive the free gift of love, of grace. I'm going to open the altar too and invite you to come forward. Maybe you've been holding back from receiving everything that God has for us. Maybe you've been at a place in your life where you've been stuck and you're not growing, you're not advancing. Maybe what you're going through has just been so heavy and it's been so difficult to break out of it. And you're looking for that breakthrough in your life where the only way you're going to break through that, that place is by coming back into that relationship with God through his son Jesus. By letting him love you. By allowing him to pour his grace over your life. I'm gonna open the altar right now. Come forward, church. I know there are many people who are here who are hurting, many people who are just at that place where they need the Lord to come in and deal with that sin, to deal with that, that spiritual brokenness that we're experiencing. Just come forward right now. Maybe the Lord is calling you to intercede, to, to stand in between on behalf of somebody else. To believe with God for their salvation. To believe with God, to bring them into that place and that relationship with him. If that's you and you have a burden for somebody else, come forward this morning. Let the Lord work. Hallelujah, hallelujah.